Praise the Lord, church. Good morning. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I love our media praise team. They got the anointing and the presence of the Lord already in the house. So good to come in and hear, hear the practice and feel the spirit of the Lord. So thankful for, for them and their willingness and their sacrifice, the extra hours the, they put in that we don't even know anything about. God is, God is so good. I, uh, waiting on, <clears throat> okay. Um, we are so blessed. I am so blessed. I'm so thankful for all of God's blessings and his mercies. New day, new strength, new hope, new mercies found in him. He's so good. Thank you, Leah, for being here early this morning. So thankful for all that God is doing in her life and praying in job situations and housing situations and just trusting the Lord to meet needs that only he can meet because he is doing it. So, so thankful. Brother Jacob brought powerful word. Our pastors bring powerful word. And I'm so thankful for the word that God gave me a couple weeks ago for today. The Lord gave me this word before Brother uh, Venus had even um, asked me to speak. And I mentioned to Mom, I didn't even tell her what it was. But I said, Mom, it's awesome and it's powerful. And, and I can't wait to be able to, to get it out. It was like fire, Brother Zelke. Shut up in my bones. And so I'm so thankful um, that he's given me time just to breathe it in and just to, to live it. And um, I just love being alone with God. And I need to be alone with God. We got to have that individual relationship with the Lord, not just religion, not a time clock that we punch. We're here on Wednesday night or Sunday morning. It's not out of habit, but a desire to be in his presence, to be with him. We are blessed today to be able to assemble together. Remember lockdown? Remember when we weren't able to come to church and to be together? And we were able to watch some online and even then sometimes it wasn't available. Remember that? Remember how so many said, I'll be so glad when we can get back in the house of the Lord. I'll be so glad when we can assemble together. We have that opportunity and that freedom today. We may not have it next Sunday. We've seen in recent world events, we're not promised today, we're not promised tomorrow, we know that, but we've seen that. We're seeing that being played out as children go to school and people go to work in the hopes that we'll be reunited for dinner time at home again. Maui Lanai showed that that doesn't always happen. We're not promised today. Every opportunity that I get to be in his presence, to be in his house, I want to be faithful to him, to the man of God, to the word of God. Give us that desire, God, that longing to want to be in your house, in your presence. And today the title of this lesson is The Upper Room. The Lord dropped that in my spirit, like I said, a couple weeks ago. And I was like, The Upper Room. That's powerful. Thank God for the upper room. Thank God for our prayer room. If you're able, physically in body, able to go into the prayer room, do yourself an enormous favor. Find yourself in the prayer room before service or midweek, whenever available, whenever you can, because the presence of the Lord, he's not restricted to that, but it is an upper room. It is a set apart room. It is a secret place. It is a place that is specific in its focus and in its purpose. And when you make that conscious choice and decision to go to an upper room, to go to your secret place at home, if you don't have an upper room at home, I encourage you make one. 
Find a place in your home. Mine is at my war desk. It's at my desk where I've got my notes and my Bible, and I can pray, and I have pictures of Haiti on the wall where I can be reminded of how blessed I am and how good God is. We need an upper room. And an upper room is not just a physical room. An upper room is us. It's our spirit. It is our mindset. So today, the upper room, yes, we need a physical place where we are separated from the distractions of this world. We need that secret place where we can get alone with God and focus on him and then listen for him to speak and to move and to do what only he can do. So we need a physical upper room. It doesn't have to be a room, but it needs to be a set-apart place that when you're ready to study. My mom's is at her dining room table in her early morning hours with her list and her prayer and her notes, and I love that. I love don't that my mom has a set-apart place, that she lifts me and my children and our family up every day. There's comfort and peace for me knowing that she has that upper room, that set-apart place. I have a set-apart place that I go to, and sometimes in the middle of the night when I'm overwhelmed or I'm so tired or just whatever, I can go to that upper room, Brother Zelke, and God is always there. His presence will always meet you in that upper room, and he will do what only he can do. When we slow down, when we position ourselves to hear from him and to receive from him the things that we need from him that are only going to come through an upper room experience. When we're so busy during the day, we're not going to hear that small, still voice. We might not feel that little nudge in our spirit to get alone or to go read a certain part of the Bible. Because the noise and the crowd and the things of the world sometimes are louder than what our spiritual ears are tuned to hear. So it's not just a physical place today, but that set-apart place, a place where our focus is on God, a place where heaven touches earth, a place where suddenly happens, a place that even in the midnight hour, like I said, Paul and Silas showed in the midnight hour, suddenly can happen. Right now, Bishop, where he is, he needs a suddenly right now. And who is willing to assemble in the upper room with me today? I pray that we make this house a house of prayer. The upper room was a place of prayer and supplication. And our Bishop needs us today to assemble in one mind and one accord and in unity and in faith, standing on the promises of his word, believing for his anointing to flow freely, that the virtue that can flow out of him and into Brother Griffith to strengthen his mind, body, spirit, and soul. That healing, that miracle, him walking through those doors, I know will happen and I claim it and declare it in Jesus' name. But it's only going to happen when us, when we assemble together, like-minded, in one mind and in one accord, sincerely lifting him up before God and saying, Lord, I'm not going to leave this upper room. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. My body might have to leave it, but my mind and my spirit shall remain in your presence believing in Jesus' name for miracles, for healings, for deliverance that are only going to come from an upper room experience. Do we believe it? A lot of times you'll get a prayer request and we'll respond praying or we'll be too busy to even respond praying and maybe hit the little prayer sign. Maybe hit the little prayer sign thinking of you. And then we go on about our way and we may have good intentions of thinking when I get home, I'm going to pray for sister so-and-so or I'm going to pray for brother so-and-so. And then life happens and then we forget. And when you're that one standing in that need of prayer, it's important that those who say I'm going to pray for you actually pray for you. I'm so thankful to receive 
receive a text today that said, Sis, I'm praying for you this morning because they knew I was speaking. And it came at a good God time because Sarah's a little tired from our weekend. And so she was kind of growling and making it hard for me to do what I needed to do this morning and to be here today with a sound mind. Because in my flesh, sometimes I struggle. When the mom can't fix the need, it's hard. And so when Satan tries to distract my mind and to get me off God's ability and what he can do, that's when I just stop. And that's when I just go to my war desk. If I'm half-dressed, if she's half-dressed, whatever situation, I stop. And I go to that upper room place and I say, God, here I am. I'm a hot mess, and I need you right now to shift my mind and to shift my focus. And when I pray and I calm down and I breathe, I feel <laughs> the wind of Pentecost <sighs> blow in. And I feel the strength that only he can give. And I feel his, hand, his hands holding me saying, I got you, Julie. I see it. I hear you. I'm with you. I got you. We got this. What peace and strength and comfort when we stop and we take time to be in an upper room. We've got to stay in that mindset of the upper room, like I said, or the things of life, situations and needs of life will overwhelm us and distract us. But if we remove ourselves from the upper room, we remove ourselves from his presence we get too busy, we get too hurt, we get too distracted to come to the house of the Lord, to make time for the things of God, to go to bed an hour early, not with your phone, but with the Lord in prayer. And I'm talking to me too, we're all guilty. Wake up in the middle of the night, what do we do? Look for our phone to see what time it is, make sure nobody's needed us, make sure we've not missed anything. You know what? God wants us to miss some stuff. <laughs> He wants us to miss some stuff. Wake up in the middle of the night. God, I don't care what time it is. Thank you. Roll over and go back to sleep. Help us to stay in the mindset of an upper room. The first mention of an upper room is found that I could find in the, in the Bible. If uh, Brother Venus, Brother Zelke know anything different. Um, the first mention of the room, upper room that I found is in 1 Chronicles 28, 11. And it says, Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof and of the treasures thereof and of the upper chambers thereof and of the inner parlors thereof and of the place of the mercy seat. So the upper chambers, that upper room. During this time, the upper rooms and the upper chambers were mainly just found in temples and palaces for the kings and the priests. Common people didn't have that set-apart place. When we were in Haiti in 2018, at the end of the day, we assembled in the Brian's upper room. It was an open housetop. It's on top of their home, and it was open air. It's above the busyness of the street. It was a set-apart place to go away from distractions to talk about and to share what we experienced during the day. And it was beautiful. It was there I felt my first, my first earthquake when we were in Haiti. When the lights started swinging, it was in that upper room. I want a spiritual earthquake from my upper room. Shake us and wake us, God. Help us to keep our focus on you. So how fitting is it that the upper room was found in priests for kings and priests and palaces and temples? 
when the king of kings poured out his spirit in an upper room. We have got to have an upper room prepared and set apart to meet with God in. In our heart, in our mind, and even in our home. A physical place, like I said, set apart. Don't take your phone into your prayer closet. Leave it out. I grew up and we lived years without those phones. I got to play outside and ride bikes and horses and climb trees and and everything else. And by the grace of God, made it home safe. It'll be okay. God's got you and God's got your family members. If something happens at half an hour while you're in your prayer closet, you can deal with it after the fact. Chances are you're not going to be able to do anything during either. Trust God. Do that set-apart place. We're going to have to sacrifice some things, which I even feel silly saying sacrifice by leaving your phone out of your prayer closet for half an hour. That shouldn't even be a sacrifice. But we need to be serious. This day and age, the culture that we live in, a little patty cake, Pentecostal, now lay me down to sleep, prayer is not going to cut it. That's not going to give relationship. That's not an upper room experience. That's a habit. That's a tradition. That's whatever. Just This is what I do every night, routine. That's not going to cut it. When we face persecution, when we go through something, that's not going to be enough. You're going to have to have the grit and the determination, the sacrifice that's going to come because of an upper room experience. That's where your strength's going to be. That's where your faith comes into play. That may be someday like we have already saw in lockdown. You might not be able to get to the doctor. You might not be able to get the medication needed. How's your faith? God, my hope is in you. My trust is in you. I'm thankful for the opportunities and those things that we have available to us right now. But that's not where my hope is. That's not where my strength is. My first thought is, God, we need you. When I get a message from a family member, somebody that says, hey, so-and-so's having a test, or hey, so-and-so's going to the doctor, or we need this prayer, my first response is, oh, have you given them Tylenol? My first response is, God, you see their need. You see this situation, Lord. Do we go to God first? That's living in a mindset of the upper room. Keep him first in our thoughts and in our minds, in our actions. So I thought that it was so neat that the king of kings poured out his spirit in an upper room. Because the custom of the day, only kings and priests had the availability to go into an upper room. I love it. He does all things well. I love the beauty, the patterns, the types and shadows of his word. It's so exciting. I love it. And so honestly, today, I just feel so strongly that the last several weeks especially, but that God is literally drawing us and calling us into our upper rooms to wait upon him, for him to speak and move. And do what only he can do. Psalm 91, 1 and 2. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. And in him will I trust. The secret place of the Most High. That is the refuge. That is the fortress. That secret place that upper room place, that set us apart place, the place above the busyness of the streets, above the busyness of our days, of the needs, of everything that pulls at our time and our attentions, that place. That's where he's your refuge and your strength. A lot of times when you say, but God, the Bible says you're my strength and my refuge, and I need that today, so where are you? He's in the upper room. He's right in that secret place. Where are we? 
It's in this stillness that most times I think people run from that he is calling us to. It's in this stillness that most people run from or avoid. They make themselves busy to avoid feeling that pull, feeling that conviction, to feel the longing of God calling to them and saying, come unto me all who are weary and I will give you rest. Because so many times, especially those prodigals, they stay busy, they keep their minds busy and full of other stuff. So they don't feel that conviction. So they don't feel the pulling of God's love because it will require something of them. The upper room is free to enter. He's already paid the price. But it will require something of us. It'll require us to break. It'll require us to pray and to sacrifice and to cry and to trust and to be obedient to him. It will require things of us that may be painful, that may be hard to do. But the victories, the power, the blessings far outweigh anything that we could give up to receive what we need from our upper room. So again, it is only in the stillness that so many run from that he today is beckoning us to meet him in. So when you find yourself busy and overwhelmed this week... Go to the stillness. Go to the upper room place. Pray, watch, and wait. That was a very important factor of the upper room. That was an important factor of the day of Pentecost. I'm not a good waiter. I don't like to wait. I don't want to put something on layaway like you used to at Kmart. I want it now. You know, I, I, I buy it. You know, I've been guilty. I buy it, go in the van, the back's dark, park in the corner somewhere, pull off a little side road, pop that tag off, whoop, change them shirts. I'm wearing this puppy. I just bought it. I don't want to wait. I don't, I don't want to go home and wash it. It's okay. It's new. Lord Jesus, take any bugs or whatever. I'm wearing it. I'm excited. I don't like to wait. Sarah will be 26 next month. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But... If I choose to avoid that stillness, if I stay busy, I'm not helping her and I'm sure not helping me. My strength only comes from the upper room. Just like I said in the beginning, if we can put our focus and our heart and our mind on him and come together in one mind and in one accord in unity and faith, believing for God to do what only he can do every time he will. He is faithful. It is my unfaithfulness. It is my doubt that will keep God from doing what he so lovingly wants to do. <clears throat> it reminded me of the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So sometimes we got to go to that stillness. We got to separate from the need, from the situation. And just sit quietly in our upper room place, in our secret place, in our set-apart place. Turn your eyes upon him and let his glory and his grace and his peace and the wind of Pentecost blow into your situation to give you rest, to give you strength, hope in waiting. I played this song the other day, and I love when Sister Griffith and Jason sing it, You Keep Hope Alive. He is our hope 
our hope is alive in him alone. When we have him in full view and we give him our full attention, it is then that the things and cultures and distractions of this world, they really will fade away. And if they don't fade away, the fear and the chaos and the confusion and all of the evil and all the other negative adjectives that we could put with that will fall away. Because that is when you can say, like I was telling my mom the other day, I'm, I, I want to be well-learned. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved. I want to I be well-learned. I want to know my enemy. I want to know just enough of what is going on in this culture and in this world and in our schools so that I can pray effectively for God to shut down those spirits because I'll call them out by name. We have to know our enemy so we know how to pray, so we can have that effectual, fervent prayer. If you don't know the enemy's tactics, how do you plan your defense? How do you plan your offense? We know our enemy. There's new weapons. He's not new, but he may have a new tactic. He may have a new weapon. We got to pray and ask for wisdom that God, he's already given us every weapon we need. We have his word. We have the blood. We have the name. We have prayer. We have everything we need to fight whatever we are faced with. But what we don't have sometimes is the wisdom and the discernment of how to use it and when to use it. And that is what we need to pray for. God, every day, give me the wisdom and discernment to know, is, is this a time that I need to pick up my shield to deflect what the enemy is coming? Or is this a time where I'm going to pull out my sword and I'm fighting and I'm going to knock it down and I'm going to destroy it because I am an overcomer? we got to have wisdom and we got to have discernment, what to use, when to use it, and how to use it. So we need to pray that. That knowledge, that wisdom comes from our upper room. It comes from our time alone with God where he can teach us and he can drop that into our spirit and say, this is, this is a gift and this is how I want you to apply it. And this situation right now is when you need to speak it. So when we're in that situation and we feel that shift in our spirit, it's like, whoo, yes, now, whoo, I can get that new arrow out. Ooh, yes. And in Jesus' name, we're overcomers and we're victorious and that may look like a funny illustration, but that's exactly how it is spiritually. Pray for wisdom and discernment to use what God has given us to use. We read the account in Mark where Jesus met and held the Passover in an upper room with his disciples. Mark 14, 12 through 15. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Well, wilt thou we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth for two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall, you, shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. Again, obedience. Help us, God. To hear your voice and instruction, and then to obey. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good men of the house, the master saith, where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. So again, not only physically, but spiritually. Do we have a guest chamber? Take inventory just for a minute. Do we have a guest chamber in our mind, in our thoughts, in our days, in our heart, in our mindset? And has it been locked and shut away for a while? Is it dusty? Do we need to turn the light on and go in and do some cleaning, get rid of some of the dust, blow it off the Bible? Our guest chamber, or is it ready and prepared to receive the king of kings make that upper room 
have that guest chamber mentality at all times and then pray, God, help me. I want to be found ready at all times. When Jesus comes to visit me, I want that guest chamber ready at all times. I don't want to be caught unaware. I don't want to be caught unprepared. I don't want to be caught with the bed's not made and the room's not even accessible because I've decided to make it a junk room because I've got all kinds of media mess stored in there because I got all kinds of books in there because I got all kinds of movies in there because I got all kinds of things of this world in there. What's in our guest chamber today? Who's it prepared for? I'm talking to me. I, I always have to receive and pray and eat and digest and live and repent over anything I will ever speak to anyone. Had to do a little cleaning in my guest chamber, Sister Irvin. Lord, prepare me <laughs> to be a sanctuary, tried and true. Prepare me, God. We have to say that every day. We have to die daily every day to keep the guest chambers of our mind, of our heart, and our, of our lives prepared and ready. The upper room furnished and prepared. Oil in our lamp. So many other examples we could pull into play just right here alone. I don't want to be found with the lamp and in the right place, but not with the oil. Furnished and ready. This pattern continues into the book of Acts. I'm hurrying. I'm on page two of four. The pattern continues in through the book of Acts. We know Acts 1, 12 through 14. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And that's just an interesting fact. Brother Zelkin, Brother Venus, I'm sure know more about that. But if you study a Sabbath day journey, that doesn't mean you journey on the Sabbath day. That is a distance. Because the custom of the day, a Sabbath day journey, you were only legally allowed to travel so far. There were limitations set. So that's how far it was from the Mount of Olives where they were going. It was a Sabbath day journey. It was a distance it's just an extra neat little nugget I enjoyed. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zealots and Judas, the brother of Jesus. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. So here we are in the upper room. It's a prayer room. And like I said in the beginning when I opened up, the upper room mentality. Also, like I said in the beginning, when I first started, when we come together in unity, in one mind and in one accord, Sister Griffith, you weren't in here, but I said in the beginning, God spoke and moved. When we as a body can fully grasp and understand the power we have, yes, individually, but when we come together with an upper room mindset, when we are assembled together, focused, precision focus on God and the things of God in unity miracles will happen in unity bishop will walk through the doors in unity what, what God can do we have four wheelchairs we have Sarah and Rachel and Hadley and brother Brian we have all of these suddenlies waiting to happen we have the need. We have the need giver. We have the provider. What's missing? We are. Lord, increase my faith. Help me, God, to have that upper room mentality. Give us true understanding. Yes, it's your word. Yes, I believe it. Yes, I know. We've seen videos. We've heard accounts just recently of a man baptizing blind eyes open. He's the same God today as he was of the Old Testament. Do we believe it? And if we do, do we pray like we believe it? Do we pray, God, I 
I know you are greater than any affliction. I know that you are the strength. God, he may have bone on bone, but God, you spoke to the valley of dry bones and those sinews came together and those muscles came together. So when I pray for Bishop, I said, God, you did it once and I know you'll do it again. And in my mind, I see God taking his legs and forming those muscles and forming new sinews. Lord, just as you did in the beginning, I speak it into existence. Let your creative breath blow. Let your creative breath speak life once again. If it was your dad, if it was your husband, I promise you, you would want to know that the church was in agreement, that the church was in an upper room, that the church had unity, and that they were lifting you up in faith, believing for the healing that only God can give and only God can do. Like I said, there's peace and comfort to me knowing my mom has a set-apart place that she prays in, in the morning when she rises, and at night before she goes to bed. That lets me go to bed in peace, knowing that she has a shield over my life we as a church body we as the sheep we have got to come together and not just click the little like not just respond with little hands praying but we need to stop what we're doing and we need to pull over the side of the road we need to step out of the room that we're in and we need to go to that upper room mentality and we need to go to that set apart place and we need to stop and go to the stillness and say god We stand in this need, but we stand in faith. So today, I want to encourage us. In just a few minutes, we're going to go into a time of prayer. And this house needs to be a house unified with one mind, with one accord, in faith. And I'll say this house today, unlike more than ever before, we need to lift up Bishop. We need to lift up Sister Griffith. We need to lift up all of our first family for strength. When we went through stuff with my dad, it was the strength of church. It was our family. It was those that loved us, that prayed for us. You could feel the strength. You could feel those prayers. It is those prayers prayed then and even today that still holds and carries my mother, that gives her the strength that she needs to keep living life and doing what God wants her to do. And when her strength wanes in herself, she goes to her secret place. When my strength wanes and I'm overwhelmed by the physical twisting and deformities of Sarah's little body. I have to go to my secret place. When you're faced with a diagnosis, when you're faced with a need, when you're faced with a financial situation that you can do nothing for, medically, they can only do so much and then they can do nothing for. Regardless what happens to Sarah, she is not able to have surgery. She cannot be anesthetized because of her lung capacity is already diminished because of the twisting of her body. Were she to choke, she cannot have CPR done because of the twisting of her body, because her organs are not where they should be, because of the twisting of her rib cage. So my mind knows all of this every time she coughs, every time she might get sick or throw up because death is only seconds and sometimes minutes away. That could cause me to live in fear. That could cause me to not allow her to go to class because I trust the teachers. I've learned I have to trust God by trusting others to keep her. I can have wisdom and say, don't feed Sarah. Don't give her a sucker. Whatever you're doing, send home with her. Don't give it to her. She knows not to eat it, but she's a child. Make sure your kid doesn't try to give Sarah a bite of something and be nice and share because it could choke her. So I could live in fear and let that control me and that control Sarah. 
But I refuse to live in fear because I know my God is greater. Because I've given Sarah to my God and I said, she's yours ultimately, God. And I trust her. And I trust those that you put into her life. And so today, we give Bishop, we give our first family to God saying, Lord, we can't do anything. But we can assemble together in like-mindedness. We can come together in unity. We can come together in faith, believing God that you are the God of the Old Testament. You are the God that opens blinded eyes. You are the God that heals the dead to life again. You are the God that delivers demons from people. We believe it and we're standing on it. And we speak it today and we declare it today. Whatever has you imprisoned, whatever your midnight is, just like Paul and Silas, we can praise and pray our way out of it. We have to have an upper room mentality. We have to have an upper room mindset. We have to have an upper room in our homes, that set apart place, that secret place, because we will need it. One day, if you don't need it today, thank God. But one day we will need the strength that only comes from the upper room. But just like he did on the day of Pentecost, that wind and the breath of God will blow and give peace and strength and healing and deliverance and hope. He keeps hope alive. Any situation that may appear hopeless is not. We can be helpless. Every day I come across situations where I'm helpless. I can only do so much. I can love, I can feed, I can bathe, I can change. She'll be 26 next month. The other night she was uncomfortable and wanted me to hold her. So I was sitting in the recliner and I was holding Sarah. He'll be 26 years old after I had just changed her diaper. And the mom and me could just stop and crumble and curl up in a little ball and just fade away. And say, God, (laughs) why? Or I don't know. I, I, I could do all of that. And we have moments where life is real and we're flesh and we fall and we struggle but it's in those moments when i think 9-11 her birthday next month is coming thank god for this another year to have her joy to have her light to even have to deal with her little sassy self sometimes i don't know who she gets that from (laughs) but my strength has come from the upper room And it's so important how we live our lives because so many are watching how we live our lives. Sometimes our lives are the only book and the only Bible they read. Our words we speak are the only words that they hear. Let it be the words of Jesus, dear God. Let us be a light. Let us be an encouragement. Somebody said, Julie, why you post scriptures and like Bible stuff like every day? Well, I post, you know, normal normal pictures and stuff too. But yes, I do because this world is full of evil and I have so many friends that are lost and hurting and struggling with things that only God can do. I don't want it to be said of me when I stand before God. I don't want one of them saying, but Jules, why didn't you tell me that God loved me? Why didn't you give me a scripture saying that he is my hope? Why didn't you tell me about this secret place that I could go to to get strength and healing? I don't want that said of me. So yes, every opportunity, every avenue that I can, Lord, I want to put him out there. Don't see me, see him. Don't hear me, hear him. Let your light, your love, your words speak and flow through me. So as they start the music, let's turn this beautiful house into a house of prayer, a prayer of supplication, a house and a prayer of supplication. In closing quickly, you don't have to stop the music. Let it play. 
John 13, 14, and 15, I just made little bullets of some things that I pulled out of there that I put for myself, blessings of an upper room. These are all portions of scriptures found in those three chapters. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Greater works than these shall he do. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. I have called you friends. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. These things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And in my notes I wrote, I am an overcomer from the upper room. Today you're an overcomer because of an upper room. So let's turn this house of prayer into an upper room. Let's lift in faith and in unity and in oneness of mind and of thought. Lift up Bishop today, that even now in a hospital room, wherever he is, whatever part of his day, that the medical team will be astounded and amazed because God will step in that room and God will do what only he can do. And that healing virtue will flow forth for Brother Griffith to tangibly feel the heat and the virtue of God flowing throughout his body, even now. Every other need represented in his house today, it is found in the upper room. It is found in him.